Good morning, Church on the Rock. My name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm the pastor here at Church on the Rock. We do that every Sunday, believe it or not, because we want to make sure you're excited to hear a message from God, that you're excited about his word, about being gathered here. So um, to those of you who are guests, first time here, uh, we thank you for being here. We feel God has nudged you this direction, and the only reason you're here is because of God, not because of us. To those of you who are second, third, fourth, fifth members even, we thank you for being here as well because, once again, there's nothing special we're doing except for loving and preaching the word and trying to grow together. So if you're here, it's because God has led you here and simply because God has led you here. So when I say good morning, church on the rock, um, you say good morning, Rashad. I apologize to everybody that sits over here because we got a very avid fan of that. So I apologize for years, but this is kind of how we roll here. Good morning, church on the rock. Amen. Amen. We are in a series to close out the year called Will You Rock With Us? It's a series kind of based on membership. We're asking people to recommit to the vision, recommit to the local church. But even if you're here as a guest and you belong to another church, we're asking you to recommit to your church as well. And if you're just a believer and you're not committed anywhere, then we're kind of pulling for you to come and be a part of Church on the Rock. Yeah. So, hey, um, I'm not going to go through my recap because what I've come to find is that when I recap a month, People blame me for the sermon being long, and it's the recap. That's why it's long. So I'm skipping the recap, and then basically we're going we're gonna to get into the, the good stuff of it. But last week we did talk about love. Uh, we were looking at 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, and we're going to look at that scripture again. Last week we talked about the love side of things, about how important agape love is, and that we display it with one another, and that we display it to the world. But this week we will be talking about the opposite of agape love. We will be talking about um, pride, uh, power, and platform, in a sense, and how if we're doing, if we're ministering, if we're serving without agape love, then this is what it's going to lead to is a lot of confusion, a lot of chaos, and a lot of things that just don't look right in the local church. So, reading 1 Corinthians 13, 1, we open up like this. Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Next verse. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And finally, he says, and if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So we're going to be looking at the reverse of the agape love side of it. We're going to be talking more on what it looks like to be operating in the body without love because we're calling on you to come and serve with Church on the Rock. We're calling on you to sign those membership forms over there and January 6th, get involved into a, 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 um, um, a ministry so that you can partner in with what's going on here. But we also want to make sure that you're doing that with the right heart, the right motivations, the right motives. So we're going to talk about this taking this section of scripture. There's many scriptures you could take, but specifically I want to take this one because there have been questions over the last week regarding a lot of things, starting out with the question on tongues. People had a lot of questions about tongues this week, so we're going to address it. I know people like to tiptoe around it, but we don't tiptoe around nothing here at Church on the Rock. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, he says, um, if I speak with the tongues of man and of angels. Now, 
First and foremost, tongues, the gift of tongues. The Greek word there, glossa, is the word language. Uh, when you think of Pentecost, people run to Pentecost in Acts 2. Let's run to Acts 2 real quick and look at that. In Acts 2, it says, Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. This is at Pentecost. Keep going. It goes on and it says, And there appeared to, there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing, them, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. So this would be the actual physical appearance of a, of a tongue, right? Like little fire tongues. I know it's kind of weird. You're like, whoa, that's, that's kind of weird, right? But resting on them, is what it, this is what it appeared as. And then it goes on, and it says in verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. This is the same Greek word here that you're going to find in 1 Corinthians 13.1, okay? And as the Spirit was giving them utterance, going on, it goes on and it says, Now, they, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. So, Every nation that you can think of was gathered here at Jerusalem, many different languages, many different tongues in a sense, right? And he goes on and it says, and when the sound occurred, they, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So there's one, the, the first um, gifting of tongue is me, like I don't know Spanish, I don't know Chinese, I don't know Portuguese, I don't know any of that. And if I had a gift of tongues that is known as xenoglossy, like xenoglossy is the word, there's a big word, and we could put it up real quick, xenoglossy, but this is the human language of the gifting of tongues, meaning I never knew Spanish, I never knew Portuguese, I never knew Chinese, and if I start speaking in any one of those tongues, this is known as xenoglossy. Glossy. This is the gift of human language. So, in other words, when I'm doing this, this is an understood language. It's just not understood by me. So, if you, if you were Chinese and I started speaking in Chinese and I never knew Chinese, it'd be the gift of tongues in this form because you actually understand what I'm saying. I just never knew this language before. Now, this is a divine gifting. There's one form of it, right? Another form of it is known as glossolalia. Glossolalia is when you speak in a divine language that is unknown. It's Literally, un there's no other language that is this language. This is a divine language, and this is another phenomenon that they call the gift of tongues as well. Now, some of you may say, I don't believe in the gift of tongues. I read the Bible, and it says that when the perfect comes, it ceases. Okay, that's cool. And some of you may say, I saw it just the other day when I was at this other church. I've seen tongues all the time. They break out, and it's the whole church is doing it. And, okay, that's cool. Let me tell you where this pastor stands when it comes to the gift of tongues. All right, so I won't box God ever. I'll never say the gift of healing, the gift of tongues, the, the, the miraculous gifts, as they call them, have ceased. I don't believe that you can, you can, like, black and white say that the perfect is the Bible or that the perfect is whatever some people interpret that as. I won't box God in that way, but... If I see the gift of tongues being used in the church context, it needs to match the Bible, right? Because north is north, right? Just because I turn around south, I can't call south, yeah, south, I can't call south north. North is always north. That's north. No matter which way I turn, north is still north. So when the Bible says this is what to look for in regards to that gifting, then that's what I'm going to look for. So this leads us to say, so Rashad, 
So what do I look for, right? Like, so teach me. So we're going to jump real quick into 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to read through this real quick. And this is all going to make a lot of sense when I show you whether you're speaking in a human language that's understood by others who, who you've never known that human language, or if it's a divine language. If you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be, it, excuse me, but it will all be mysterious. Keep going. He goes on, he says, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Keep going. He says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So you're going to see this theme of strengthening the church continue to build throughout this chapter. Let's keep going. He says, I wish you all could speak in tongues. And I'm going to imitate him. Hey, I wish everybody in here had the gift of tongues. I wish every last one of y'all had the gift of tongues, could move, could shoot out the doors, hop on a boat, go somewhere where they don't have the gospel and speak in their language and they receive you. I wish you had it. I wish you had it. But even more, I wish you all could prophesy. I wish you all could open up God's word and foretell what's going on inside the word of God. Even more than you being able to speak in tongues because I wish for this entire body to grow. I wish for us all to grow into maturity, all of us to grow in the faith. He says, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened, right? So it's, he's not knocking. You know, some people, we just immediately knock. Oh, that's one of them tongue-speaking church. No, he's not knocking anything. He's saying, but if it's not building up the body, shut up. <laughs> Seriously. But, but, but here's where it becomes real for us. In any ministry that you're doing. I pray that you understand serving with that gift in that ministry is a privilege and that you're not doing it out of pride. And that's my first point. Why are you serving? Is it from pride instead of privilege? Because this is what was going on. The reason he's speaking on tongues is because this was a, you, I mean, imagine, imagine if I sat here and we had somebody of a different tongue here and I start speaking, they're like, yeah, that's exactly, I know exactly what he's saying. You'd be like, wow. Wow, dude is bad. I thought he could preach before, but man, right? Well, y'all like he can't preach now. Okay, whatever. All right, <laughs> but but look, but look, but look. If if that was the if that was the case, it's it's kind of showy. It's kind of miraculous. It's one of the ones that people would be eager to have. They'd be eager to have the gift of tongues. Well, let's move forward to today. People, you, we got people who want to preach at the drop of a dime. We, they just want to stand up and talk. They just want to stand up and say whatever they want to say. They, it, and it becomes something that they want to do from pride. They don't even see the privilege of it. And what would happen if J Jonathan Woodring, Jonathan, raise your hand real quick. Jonathan is a pastor. He's a preacher. So what would happen if Jonathan just got up right now and started preaching while I'm preaching, and we're trying to preach at the same time? And Y'all see the chaos in that? He's like, but Rashad, I got to get to preaching too. I can preach when you preach. Why can't I preach while you're preaching? I'm like, bro, because that's not the time or the place. And I don't care. I need to be heard too. I got a revelation for y'all too. And you see how that works? And this is what was going on with the gift of tongues. So going back to that scripture that we were in in 14, look at this. He says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you're saying, so that the whole church will be strengthened. Keep going. He says, dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation of some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. He says, excuse me, he goes on, he says, even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. Earlier today when I was putting the slides together, when, when me and Brittany got here super early, 
um, Brittany said, so what songs are they singing today? I was like, oh, they're singing Relentless. And she said, how does that song go? I was like, your love is relentless, relentless. And she's like, I've never heard that song. And I was like, okay, let me try again. Your love is relentless. And she said, Rashad, just because you sing it higher doesn't, doesn't mean I'm still going to understand. I have no clue. So I was singing, your love never fails and never gives up. But I was singing relentless because I, I don't know what I was doing. I, was, I have no clue what I was doing. And she's like, I don't understand what you're trying to get across. It makes no sense to me because the melody is not the melody that will help me recognize. So he's saying, in the same way, in the same way, lifeless instruments. You, if I got over here and started playing, okay, you, you, look, she's not even looking. Okay, so if I got over there and started playing the keys and was like, yo, everybody sing Amazing Grace, and I'm just hitting the keys, y'all going to be like that? I can't sing to that because that's not the melody, right? That makes no sense. It's just noise right now. Think about this. If, I, if you're speaking in a tongue that nobody can understand, then what is the body getting out of it? And what did we say a couple weeks ago? Your gift is for the common good right? So if you have a gift of tongue and there's no interpretation and there's no way of telling us what you're saying, be quiet because it's, it's doing nothing for us. But even more, but even more, if there's anything you're doing out of a place for pride, it's not going to benefit us. It's not going to benefit the whole. It's just for you. It's just for you to look different and, ooh, look at me. Y'all ever seen uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, Stewart? When he's like, look what I can do, right? And he does like his little move, like, look what I can do, right? Or like, I'll be having this deep theological conversation over there at the church, and one of the kids will run up and just keep patting my leg, and just patting my leg, and I'm like, what? And they're like, and then they run off? And you're like, what was the point in that? Well, they wanted to be seen in that moment. Well, we do the same thing here. We do the same thing here. We do the same thing today. We, we do things out of pride. We don't do it to edify the body. We do it to be seen. We do it to be known. I'm preaching just to preach, and I'm, I'm talking just to talk, and I'm singing just to sing. I'm not worried about the edification of the body, so I'm going to do it however I want to do it. And this is, this is wrong. This is completely wrong because there's no love in this. It's all about you. You don't even see the privilege of being able to do what you, you don't see, you don't see the privilege of the gifting. Instead, you're just prideful in the fact that you have the gift. It's all about you. You act like you're the reason you have the gift, and you just got to show everybody what you can do. We see this in small groups sometimes. There'll be that one guy who answers every question and has to give the deep theological thought, and it takes up the entire time. Talk, yeah, I'm talking about me. I'm still growing, okay? I'm still growing. But, but that's, that's what happens, right? We get in this group, and yes, I know you know all the answers. Be quiet so that we can be grown together, so that the conversation can be facilitated, so that we can bounce off of each other. Just, I know you have this gift. I know you understand all that, but nobody's growing when you're the only one talking. So just back off. Just hush. Just be quiet, right? So this is, this is ways that it applies today. This is what it looks like today. He goes on in this scripture. He says if the bugler... Does, I said burglar earlier. If the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know that they're being called to battle? So if I don't play the bum, 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 if I was just like or play some hip-hop song, we might start doing the electric slide when we're supposed to be going to war. They're like, oh, that's the jam, right? Like, no, that's the war call, but I'm not playing the right. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. So keep going. He goes on and he says, uh, my next he says, it's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. You might, like, 
Nobody understands what you're saying. Nobody get, we're not saying you don't have the gift. We're saying we're not getting nothing from it. So why are you up here doing it? What, what, nobody's getting nothing from it. He keep, he just, look how he just teaches on this. It's, it's amazing. Keep going, Sean, for me. Keep moving. He says, there are many different languages in the world. So he goes back to the language. And every language has a meaning. But if, you, yep, but if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. So I experienced this a lot. Uh, when I first came out here, it, was, it didn't look like it does today. It was an all-white congregation, all right? I can't come out here my first sermon rapping, all right? That ain't going to work. You, I can do it. I can rap anywhere, anytime, anyplace. But I got to think about the people I'm speaking to. Will they receive me that first sermon if I jump in the pulpit rapping, right? Think about your culture. Think about your context. I'll go one even more. I can't preach the way I preach up here back there. If I'm back there talking about Zeno, Glossy, Glossolalia, they're going to be like, bro, your five minutes is up. It's candy time. <laughs> right? But, but, but think about this. Think about this. If I'm worried in love about the growth of those kids, then I'm going to take these deep truths and I'm going to speak to them on their level. Right? When I get up here, I'm preaching to church on the rock and the guest in attendance, not the seminary. But see, in our pride, we're worried. My brother Rob, raise your hand, Rob. My brother Rob just walked in, right? Rob went to school with me. Me and Rob go back and forth, and we, like, this one of the dudes I like to flex with when I'm thinking about scriptures, right? But I'm not here to preach to Rob, so I'm not going to go on this seminary-level preaching just because Rob walked in. I'm going to keep preaching right here and not worried about if Rob's like, man, that's kind of, that was milk. Well, we need milk right now, all right? We ain't at the meat place yet, so I'm going to preach what the people need because it's for their edification, not my pride. Does that make sense? So, so think about how this breaks down barriers. Think about how when you walk through a church that you feel God has gripped you and placed you in and you get here and you don't necessarily like the worship, but the worship is scriptural, the worship is real, then you can put your pride aside and know that this is edifying the body that God has called you to. Think about that. You see how all of a sudden it ain't about me no more? This ain't my style of worship. We ain't worshiping you. <laughs> we ain't here to worship you. We're here to worship God. So I'm going to put my pride to the side of what I like, and I'm going to be here because God placed me here, and I'm going to sing whatever I need to sing so that we're all edified. Because it's not about me. It's a, it's a privilege to even be in a country where I can gather without losing my life. It's a privilege. Not, not a pride thing. We be looking at each other like, you lucky I'm here, let alone singing. I'm lucky you're here? That's pride. It's a privilege that you can gather here. Look, look around, folks. We are becoming more and more diverse not just ethnically, but socioeconomics. You're looking at different tax brackets, different political beliefs and all that good stuff, all in the same place. This is a privilege. This does not exist in America. America is the, 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 the yet-to-be-United States of America, right? Like we're divided on anything we could be divided in, and on Sunday morning, look where we're at. Look at all the people in the room. I guarantee they disagree with you on something that's out there in the world, and yet they agree with you on Christ, and therefore we are here, we are gathered as a privilege. So it's not about you. And this is what he was looking at. He's looking at this and saying, look, if you're, if you're only speaking in tongue for you, then nobody's being built from that. 
No, the church is not gaining anything from that. And at that point, I'm asking, is it a gift? What's, what's a gift with nothing in it? Right? If I give you a gift box and there's no gift in it, then it's just a box. <laughs> it's that simple. So he goes on. He goes on. And he says, and the same is true for you. Since you are eager to have, look, eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek the ones that are going to strengthen the whole church. I'm not saying don't be eager for the gifts, but seek the ones that are going to strengthen. Seek those that will strengthen the entire church. Keep going. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. So he was happy about it. He said, but in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Let that sit, right? I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I can speak in tongues more than any of you. I, I don't have that gift myself. But I would rather speak five words that the church can use to be edified, to be built, to be strengthened, than 10,000 words that you can't, you can't understand. I'd rather say, Jesus died for your sins. I'd rather speak those five words over and over and over than 10,000 words that you couldn't understand. You see the love in that? You see how... Um, this applies to so much more than just the gift of tongues. It applies to any gift that you have. I, 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 when, I, when I travel to other churches, sometimes they're KJV only. Brother, we only preach out the KJV here. Now, I could be prideful and be like, well, the Bible don't say I have to preach out the KJV. I preach out what I want to preach out of because I'm a preacher. But the loving thing is, okay, if that's what you guys preach out of, if that's what's going to make you hear me, then I'm going to preach out the KJV. Hey, brother, we wear a suit in our pulpit. No problem. If that's going to help you to hear me, then I'll wear the suit. I will become all things to all people that I may win some. You see the love in that? You see how much love is in that versus, versus the pride of me, 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 and the way I do it and the way we've always done it and all those things instead of being outward focused on how can I meet you where you're at in your context? And now church service becomes church service instead of church spectating, right? I come here to serve. It's, it's not about me. It's about me meeting the needs of others. It's about me joining in with my brothers and sisters to meet the needs of others and not just doing it on Sunday morning in the holy huddle, but actually getting outside and meeting the needs of others when it hurts the most on my agenda and it interrupts my agenda. Like, think about that. See, because people will do it here on Sunday, I do serve Rashad. I mean, you see me every Sunday, da 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 But if it happens Monday through Saturday on my time at my workplace where I make my money, that's a different story. Well, that, that's the religion versus the relationship. That's the, you know, you're not being the body. You just come to a body. And these are all the things we teach against. So he goes on. We're going to finish this real quick. He says, so you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. He goes on and he says, even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. If, if somebody walked in right now and we were all talking in different languages at the same time, they're going to walk in and be like, wrong church, and walk right back out, right? Because, because it'd be like, what, what is going on? I don't understand them. They don't understand them. I'm walking right back out. But he goes on, and he says this. He says, but if all of you are prophesying, and unbelievers are people who don't understand these things, what things? Things of the Bible. 
Just like many of you walked into a church the first time and didn't understand things in the Bible. When I first came to Christ back in 2011 and the Living Bible, Pastor Norrell Taylor gave me a Bible and said, man, read the Gospels. I thought the Gospels was like the Temptations. So I literally was like, you want me to read a singing group? Because the Temptations, the Gospels, I didn't know what the Gospels were because I didn't know what the Bible was like that. And it had four people. It was like Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, right? And I'm like, okay, that's, that's four, a quartet maybe, kind of like New Edition, Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, Mike, you know? So like, so like I didn't, but it was, it was foreign to me. It was completely foreign to me. But look at this. But look, even though I didn't understand those things, I came into the meeting and I was convicted of sin and judged by what you say because, hey, I understood. He talked about sin and he talked about um, the, the consequences of sin. And, he talk, and it was a language I could understand. And the Holy Spirit convicted my, my spirit and convicted me. And as a result, it led me to salvation. But, but if he was talking in a language I didn't understand, I'd just be in here like, boring, flat out. Because I have no clue what you're saying. No clue what you're saying. So can you see the pride in that? And how in every ministry, in every area of life, if we're really about meeting people where they're at, then we're going to let go of our pride, understand the privilege we have to have the power of resurrection dwelling in us and the faith, the, 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 the determination of life and death in the tongue, in the tongue, right? So I will put aside all things so that I can meet you where you're at. I, I talk to people exactly where they're at. If you don't understand the gospel in terms of church talk, then let's talk football. I'll figure it out. Basketball, let's do that. You want to talk Marvel movies? I can do Marvel movies. I don't care what you want to talk about. I will talk to you in your language so I can meet you where you're at so that we can all be built together. Amen? Amen. So going back to 1 Corinthians 13, 2. So he talks about speaking in tongues, and then in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, he goes to the next one. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. So in a, in a sense, we first said, are you serving from a place that is pride instead of privilege? And my next question I'm asking you, this is self-examination. Are you serving from a place of power instead of potential? One of the biggest things I've seen pastors do over time is this. They have, they have all knowledge, um, all prophecy, all wisdom, all faith, all these things, and they will not share it with anyone because they would lose that position of power. You see it a lot. You see pastors who will hold somebody down, <laughs> keep them in their, in their place, because if you know what I know, then I may not be who I am to you. See, if it's about growing the body I am praying that all of you grow to know more than me and go to make more disciples and to pour into other people. I, I want to know, I want to learn from you. I told people last uh, service, one of my dreams is that there's a kid back there running around with snot coming out his nose who, who, who we're going to pour into from age five until age 24 or something. He's going to come back from college and he's going to be ready and in a position to replace me. Because he's grown and I've given him all of me. I've given him everything I can because I see the potential of what he could do for the kingdom. This goes to even, even church planning. We, sh we should want to kick churches out of here through people. This goes to uh, handing ministries over. Sometimes people get ministries and they're so tight-knit on the power they got in that ministry that they won't teach anybody what they know so that they're always needed. Can you see the selfishness in that? Hey, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, why don't you find somebody, pour into them so that they can replace you? Because I don't want to be replaced. It's my ministry. It's God's ministry. 
That ain't your ministry. It ain't even your gift. You wouldn't even be able to do it if he took it away from you. What are you talking about? But this is how we operate. You got all the knowledge. You got all the, or, or when it says all the faith stores are removed mountains. Have you met those people who know so much about the Bible and have such strong faith that when somebody loses a loved one, they're like, well, if you just understood the Bible, you wouldn't be mourning the way you are. What, how is that loving in that moment? Because I understand the Bible and because I know what I know, you need to up your faith, brother. You need to read more so that you can get through this. Month. What kind of, I thought we mourn with those who mourn, not, not, not put a heavy hand on them about what they don't know. But this is, this is, in that moment, you're nothing. You're not comfort. You're not help. You're not assistance. You're nothing. Because all you're doing is adding to what's already there, right? What, what happens when you change that mentality? The things I know, I know, and I'm thankful to God for that. But I'm not looking at the power of it. I'm looking at the potential of how, because I know what I know, I can be the comfort for somebody else who doesn't. I can love them in that moment of pain instead of telling them what they don't know and what they should be doing and how they should be walking. It, it doesn't work that way. There's no love in, in having all that faith so as to remove mountains. There's nothing in that that hurts. I mean, I, I, would, I would pray that we would understand this, but I've seen it so many times. Y'all know the people who unnecessarily have to share everything they know all the time? Y'all might be looking at me. I'm working on it, okay? <laughs> I am working on it, all right? But these are the people that you post something on Facebook, and you're like, oh, um, God is good. And somebody hops on your Facebook in the comments, and puts this whole Greek understanding of what good is and how God, and you're like, I didn't need all that. Like, like you, you killing my Facebook post, right? Like, ain't nobody going to read it now because of you, right? No, but, but no, but no, seriously, in, in, in the context of, of, of church, so you know more, and, and so you're, but you're, you're discouraging me. You know, if, if every time I say something that I've learned, instead of encouraging me and say, I'm happy that God's revealed that to you and that you've grown in that, you're correcting every little detail that doesn't even need to be corrected. And now I don't want to speak in church anymore. I don't want to speak up anymore. Or, or if a brother prays, it's their first time praying, and they stutter through some things, and they say something that, like, was kind of shaky. You just got to go, and you're beating them down with all the knowledge you have of why you need to pray in this way and in that name. And it's like, now nah, I don't want to pray anymore because... You're just sitting there beating me down with all your knowledge, all your faith, all your understanding, all the mysteries. Like, can you see how that kills it? And you're just doing it from a place of power because you want to feel like something. It's really you. you. You need to feel like something. You ever thought about that? It's you. It's, it's not their problem. It's your problem. You have a need to feel some type of power, some type of position that you have to speak up and say and have to correct and have to, and I'm not talking about things regarding salvation. I'm talking about the little itty-bitty things that don't really matter. That you just got to, right, let me tell you about yourself, brother. It, it doesn't work that way. Discipleship, you grow with them. You pull them to the side. You teach them the more, the more accurate way. That's what, that's what they did with uh, Apollos. Apollos was a teacher in Acts, and he was teaching. And they were like, man, he's a great, eloquent teacher. He's doing some good things. But he only knows the baptism in this way. So they pulled him to the side. They didn't call him out. Man, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about, bro. They didn't call him out right there while he was preaching and teaching. They pulled him to the side. Hey, bro, you did excellent. They affirmed him. You did an excellent job. That was amazing. Let me show you something a little bit more accurate right here in the scriptures. You see how that builds me? You see how that would build the body? Instead of calling everybody out every chance you get and telling them what they've done wrong and how they need to, that's pride. 
You're like, well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. It's pride. So, so are you doing it from a place of pride or privilege? Are you doing it from a place of power or potential? Are you seeing the potential opportunities for the body to grow? And finally, in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, give me that one real quick, Sean. He goes on for the last part, <clears throat> excuse me, and he says, and I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burn, burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So are you doing it from the platform instead of the plan? Are you doing it for your platform instead of his plan? That's my third point. So you got pride over privilege. You got power over potential. But you got platform. Are you doing it from your platform instead of his plan? And this is what this looks like. Y'all know the people who walk around and let you know what they're doing for the kingdom, right? They let you know. Like, hey, Ray. Boy, you got to see my offering today, girl. Look at, look at that thing. You see that right there? $1,000. I, I ain't got $1,000. But look, $1,000, right? Look what I'm doing. I'm about to drop that thing in that offering plate. Look, look, how, look how God's showing out of my life. Like, y'all, y'all know the type, right? And then Matthew 6 says this. Look, look what Matthew 6 says. Matthew 6 looks at that type of behavior, and he actually speaks directly against it in Matthew 6. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. He goes on and he says, so when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before. So like, boom, 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 I'm about to drop my offering. Y'all see this? Boom, 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 I'm about to give to the poor. I'm about to give some, I'm about to put my little canned goods in. Check me out. Facebook this mug. Let me take a picture of that mug. Yeah. Facebook. Now, you know, don't, come on, y'all, right? You're doing it for the platform. You're, you're not doing it according to this. You're doing it for the platform. He's like, don't sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by man. Why? Because truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. He, said, he says in 13.3, it benefits me nothing. You're right, it benefits you nothing because your benefit, you got. Yeah, yeah, the people in the church, they clapping and, oh, he's such an awesome man of God. He just gives until he can't give no more and all that. And you did it all for the platform. You did nothing because of the kingdom. It was for man. You're worried about the faces of man. You're worried about the judgment of man. He says, no, no, no. That, that, you could give everything you want, and if you're not doing it for, for love, for flat-out agape love about you benefiting in me, receiving nothing for it, then you are, it benefits you nothing. You could even die. You could even die, and if you on the cross like, yeah, I told y'all I was going to do it until it was done. I was going to the wheels fall off. Y'all see me? Y'all need to get like me. Man, God like, <laughs> you know, like it, it benefits you Nothing. He goes on in this, in this scripture, and he says, but when you get, uh, keep going, yep, next one, there we go, okay. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And finally, in, in 6.4, he says, so that your giving will be in secret, and your father who sees what is done will reward you. And this is how you can kind of gauge uh, what it looks like to see if you're doing it from a place of platform pride and, and power. Those of you and I'm speaking to Church on the Rock specifically right now. Those of you in leadership know this. You know this. If your home is not right, we will sit you down. It's that simple. Why? Because why is it you're willing to help the homeless, but you won't help your husband? Hmm? Why is it you, you're willing to do all these wonders for the world, but you won't do a wonder for your wife? <laughs> you want to change the church, but you won't change your children, right? Because you like the platform. 
See, what's done in secret that we can't see is what's done in the home, right? Ministry starts at home. I said on Facebook the other day, like, how is it you want to change the community or re- minister to the community, but you won't minister to the person on your couch? <laughs> like, like, think about that. What, what, these, you got people who will I'll sit up here and I'll preach and teach and everything, but I won't spend no time in the Bible with my wife. You see, because, because nobody sees that. I don't, don't nobody see me spending time with my wife or pouring into my daughter or anything like that. So I, I'm only going to do the things that allow me to be seen because it's the platform. It's the platform. And I'm challenging you. Like, why are, if you're, if you're joining in with us, if you're joining in with us and you get into these ministries, why? why? Ask yourself why. What is really driving you to serve? Because if it's for anything else than love, you will leave at the drop of a dime. You'll leave as soon as it doesn't go your way, as soon as things aren't happening the way you want them to, at the speed you want them to happen, you'll leave. And, and that even goes for joining the church in general, not even a ministry. If you're doing it for any other reason than being led by God in love and, and, and wanting to know how you can serve others, then you'll leave because you're a consumer. We don't, we don't need customers. We need coworkers. We don't need... We, we don't need more customers. We need more co-workers for the kingdom who are actually going to help us build the body. I mean, this is our vision, building the body, I mean, building his body, breaking our barriers, right? We, we, we pour into each other. We love each other. We serve sacrificially to build us up in faith, and then we break our barriers by going outside of ourselves, doing what's uncomfortable to meet those people where they're at. That's, that's why we exist here as Church on the Rock. This is what we say makes us different. So we're asking you to partner in with that. We're asking you to examine yourself in these areas according to these three scriptures in 1 Corinthians 13 and really ask yourself, like, why am I here first and foremost as a believer and why am I serving secondly? Because if it's all about me, then you've missed the point. And if it's all about you, (laughs) then you're not going to like it here anyway because everything we do is not about us. What I love about Church on the Rock is this. As a black pastor of a church that was predominantly white and now is growing, we've all had to compromise. <laughs> a lot of people were like, man, you preach different than the preaching I grew up with. And I was like, man, y'all sing different than the singing I grew up with, right? <laughs> we've all had to compromise, and this church has been built off of love. I'm telling you, if you come here, don't come here being upset at another church because you ain't going to like us either because we are constantly stepping on each other's toes to see what's best for the body and, and constantly being told no with some of our ideas for what's best for the body. And that goes for me too. As the pastor, I'm still told no as a body, and I surrender to that no because I'm thinking about the body, what makes us grow together. So if you are willing to partner in with something like that, it looks different than the world. This is, what's happening here isn't happening in the world, and that's the way it should be. And we're asking you to partner in with that, with the kingdom vision that all nations, all tongues, regardless of parking lot, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You matter here. What you say matters here, and we want to love you and grow you together. So we want you to partner in with us. We want you to recommit to that vision as we move forward for next year. Amen? So let's stand up and sing this song that we're about to sing. What are we singing? Love Came Down? Oh, yeah. Love Came Down. One of the greatest examples of putting others before you.
as we prepare to leave, <clears throat> please, once again, as we always say, allow this to be more than just a Sunday morning message. Allow it to actually challenge you uh, as you go out into the world, especially that last song. Um, Christ came down uh, for you, for me. It was selfless. It was the greatest sacrifice ever. He came down in his ministry. All of his serving was, it was for you. It was all for you. And he tells us to respond and serve in the same way, not just this holy huddle, <laughs> but the world. Because remember, he loved you while you were sinners, while you were enemies, while you were helpless, he sacrificed for you. So he says, not just for each other on the Sunday morning huddle, but go into the world and show the world that love did come down because they will know us by our love for one another and by the way we love them. So as we prepare to go into next year, I'm asking you to partner in with us from a place of love. We don't deserve you. <laughs> we don't deserve anybody here. I don't deserve to be up here preaching to any of you. I'm telling you, my, my history shows I don't belong up here. But love came down and rescued me and has given me a gift and a privilege to, to help rescue others and to partner in with that. And now I'm asking you, those of you who've been rescued, those of you who've been gathered here, to, to join in with me in rescuing, rescuing, rescuing more of the world. So let's pray, and please take that on your hearts as you go out. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning as we reflect on the fact that you did come down to rescue us, Father. You didn't need us, and we weren't worthy. We were ungodly. We were undeserving, and you still came down, and you rescued us, Father. How foolish of us to think that it's not our responsibility to respond to that grace, to that love, mimicking your example, Father, and loving others in the same way. Father, may this message move us and motivate us to partner in with a local body somewhere. May it move us and motivate us to partner in with you if we don't know you, Lord. I'm asking that you have your way with the hearts, that you have your way with the minds. And Father, may we just serve you radically in a way like never before. I'm so thankful for what you've done this morning. Please be with everyone as they return home. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You guys have a beautiful week. Remember, 4 p.m. next Sunday, we will be having our Christmas this service. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.